from the boardroom to the shop floor. Good business runs on good governance. Join esteemed expert in governance, Dr. Nimrod Mbele, for the next hour as he takes us beyond governance, making sense of doing business in South Africa. This is Beyond Governance with Dr. Nimrod Mbele on 101.9 High FM. A very good evening to South African and the world and welcome to tonight's installment of Beyond Governance. My name is Nimrod Mbele. I'm delighted to be in your company after uh, an absence of, of almost a month. Um, for those who do not know, uh, the show has coincided with no, a number of um, holidays. That's why we're not able to be in your midst. But uh, for those that celebrated, observed the holidays, I hope everything went according to plan and you came back uh, spiritually reinvigorated, rejuvenated and, and closer to the Almighty, which, does, which is the whole point of, of observing some of these uh, uh, rituals. Um, and I'm sure that... Uh, we all know that South Africa is a very fascinating country. Uh, we, there's, there's no dull moment in this country. A quick reflection on what has happened you know, last week, if you may. Uh, whoever thought that the DA would be in this uh, kind of chaos, uh, you know, the departure of uh, Trollip, the departure of Maimane, the departure of uh, Helen Mashaba, and, and send uh, DA, you know, dovetailing and, and trying to scramble, you know, for, for leadership. And uh, that's quite interesting. But one thing that I've picked up around the, 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 the emerging, you know, discourse around the DA is the fact that it seems as if the, the, the agenda of racial inclusion or the racial, uh, 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 configuration of the party has collapsed. And it's, it's actually very, Disappointing, uh, to say the least, in that it was one party that we all thought that from an inclusion point of view, it would win, uh, the battle because the NC failed dismally in trying to bring everybody on, on, on board. And, and, and I think, um, all, it is actually imperative for all political parties who come into fall to, to unite the society, to unite the country. Um, across racial and, and class line, because if you fail, if the two major parties are failing to 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 have that particular agenda of family on their table, we you know it becomes open for other radical uh, political parties uh, to come through, and and the country cannot afford to have a far right uh, uh, wing parties you know to come to the party, and because that 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 spells a fiasco uh, for for the country. Anyway, that's my view. The other interesting thing that we've observed recently, and I'm sure you must have picked up the story that was published by the Sunday World about Igwele Baltash and Tito Mweni, the so-called love triangle, and and the extent to which uh, we're told that Igwele Baltash bribed the, the the journalist, you know, to 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 bury. You know the the story, the sex story. How bizarre is that? But the issue for me is it's it's, it's that um, I don't think South Africans care about about you know uh, consenting adults. The issue that 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 bothered me, and I'm sure most of South Africans, is the the allegations of bribery uh, um, at the hand of uh, Gwede Mandaji, who's supposedly a senior uh, politician, politician who should know better. Fundamentally, it you know it, it borders on trust, public trust. If you have a political figure such as Greta Mantashe being embroiled uh, uh, on issues of bribery, um, that should call for a consent. As to what as as to what happens as consenting adults, I'm sure uh, you know we would not be bothered by that. And, and who cares about that? We also care about you know the ethos uh, which 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 these things are on because it erodes public confidence. But anyway, let's move on uh, uh, swiftly. That was my two cents worth of a reflection of the week that was. Um, 
Let me take this opportunity to thank Kathy Kayla for a wonderful show. Of course, Simon, Lindywe, and, 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 and Zanati. As always, I'm not flying solo. I've got Tabo. Uh, once again, thank you very much, Tabo, for, uh, steering the ship. Um, and I'm, I implore you again to once again be, be in touch with us via our SMS line, which is 34519, and, and Telegram is 061-895-1019. And of course, my email address is nimrod at um, on a business front, perhaps maybe as a precursor for the conversation that is about to evolve with, uh, you know, uh, uh, um, uh, Adam Cracker, which I will lately introduce you to, um, I just want us to quickly reflect on what I've picked up last week, uh, when the president is going around that we seem to have lost close to about 500 billion rands, uh, you know, uh, thanks to state capture. And, and Alan will probably give you a heads up because I've read, I saw an article that you, 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 you wrote about the, the opportunity which the state capture gives us as a society as a whole. Um, and, and, um, it's also quite interesting to hear that, um, Diton Bowen is, uh, forthcoming, uh, budget speech, which tomorrow, you know, the entire country is up in arms, you know, waiting with breathless anticipation that what sort of um, goodies does it bring? I know for the fact that the SOE is definitely on agenda. The extent to which the, the budget is going to be contained, definitely on agenda. And how do we keep the rating agencies out of the, the cookie jar, so to speak? It's going to be one big issue. So those are some of the big things that um, uh, we we obviously going to uh, look forward to, to, to have. What is the context? And the economy is growing at less than two percent, which is actually shamble. Uh, I mean, I mean, the unemployment is sitting at about what we've had today, twenty nine point one percent. That is absolutely shocking. So, so which means there are a lot of things that, as private business, uh, government, and civil society organisation, need to rally around to to really make the country where it's supposed to be. On that note, let me take this opportunity to welcome Alan Cracker, who's the chief executive at uh, Business IQ, and largest independent management consulting. Uh, Adam, good evening and welcome. Great to be here, Nimrod. Thank you very much. On that note, let me also welcome the, the, the familiar voice on, on, on the studio, um, Eric Stillerman. Good evening, Nimrod. Good, good evening, Adam. Good to be with you too. It's great stuff. Let me please, let me yeah. let me let me kick off with um, Adam. You and I had the privilege of attending a a summit which was organised by conscious companies. Uh, you know, uh, um, I think about a month ago. Mm. Um, you know, Brenda Carly, to be more precise. Mm. Um, a quick reflection, because what I took out of that particular summit was the the importance of conscious leadership, mm. and and how conscious leadership find expression in both corporate as public sector and and NGO space as it were because we are in this quagmire purely because that's my thinking we 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 have leaders but leaders are not present so when you elevate the consciousness you want leaders to be cognizant of their decisions and how they affect uh, you and I but could you just maybe have a a quick reflection on your take of that particular mm. phenomenon of conscious leadership and and as a as a beneficiary or recipient of Awards in the same space, mm-hmm. you know. Could you just share with with us uh, your your take and 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 where to go from now? Well, Nimrod, uh, as you as you rightly say, that last month the uh, uh, conscious um, uh, summit took place, and uh, I think on reflection to see the uh, number of people over three hundred people that came together from uh, all walks of life, from businesses, from governments, uh, from civil society. 
that clearly there was recognition that uh, there needed to be a gathering of that nature and and a focus on uh, some of the challenges that uh, that we're facing in society, not only in South Africa but uh, uh, but around the world. And uh, I, th I think the f for me one of the most important elements was the. Uh, the opportunity to elevate the the thinking and the the perspective on uh, not only conscious thought but uh, conscious action and the role of leaders, um, uh, uh, irrespective of the role that those leaders are playing, uh, in um, in filling a vacuum that we are seeing at the moment. That there is a trust vacuum, whether that is in our um, government um, uh, or government leaders. Uh, or our business leaders, uh, or for that matter, in many of our civil society leadership uh, uh, challenges that uh, that we see. Thank you very much for that for, for, for that insight. But in your view, do you think we're winning? Um, and uh, you, there's definitely, you know, when you look at the state capture, for example, it boils down on the vacuum that you're talking about. Mm. Uh, what will it take for us as a country to really close the the, the trust deficit mm. uh, to a point where you know? People are aware of the custodianship. People are aware, leaders are aware of their moral responsibility in serving um, as opposed to lining their own pockets. How far, how big and how far wide is, is this kind of problem? Uh, I think it is a global problem. Uh, I think that we are seeing many of the issues right on our, on our own doorstep. Um, there is a change that I believe is happening and that change um, perhaps uh, I would say that things like the Zondo Commission in, in South Africa are, um, it's a bit like the TRC once again, the 2.0 of, of the TRC itself. Um, and what that's doing is exposing and making us um, aware of uh, some of the actions that have taken place, the role of leadership and the demise of the fabric of society that, uh, uh, that we're seeing. Um, but I do think that there have been uh, a number of shifts uh, and changes that are beginning to gather momentum around the world. For example, uh, the meeting in August that took place uh, of the Business Roundtable, which is now around 200 um, CEOs of some of the largest and uh, most successful U.S. and international-based uh, firms. And the uh, pronouncements that came from that at the end of the business roundtable that were really saying it's time for, for business to change. It's time for business to focus on uh, its purpose, uh, to unite around moving from um, a focus on shareholder value to shared value, to um, really focusing on uh, the issues that we are experiencing in civil society, um, uh, and uh, to embrace uh, partnership with uh, with government on issues that uh, certainly in our own um, environment are completely overwhelming the uh, resources and the capabilities that exist in government. So, uh, business and government and civil society must uh, must come together to to tackle those issues. Absolutely. Let me just bring Eric here on the very same issue of in, uh, shared growth as opposed to um, shareholder value. Um, your, I mean, as an experienced or seasoned um, uh, uh, investor, what, what is actually missing in, in, in getting to a point where, you know, uh, business does not only focus on a, a shareholder value but 
focus on a shared value, which means, you know, all the stakeholders, all the ele- all the stakeholders needs to be recognized in terms of the bottom line. Uh, thanks, Numnot um, and Adam. It, it, I was attended your conference briefly, and I saw you were the MC, and you did a great job and got people going. Um, I'm going to ask to duck this one. Uh, I, I think there are quite a few other things on the agenda, and and uh, you know my only comment is that there are you know crucial um, practical issues uh, facing businesses and facing government uh, that that need to be addressed, and they relate to you know how we're going to avoid a downgrade, how we're going to balance our budget and be sustainable in a very everyday practical carry on running our organization, survive. You know, there's a battle for survival out there, let alone, you know, uh, 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 escal- uh, you know or, or elevating the, the conversation within the world at, at large. Uh, you know, there's competition, the, the, the huge. So to, to my mind, I would rather pitch in on some of the more practical issues in this particular occasion. Another time I'll sit with you and Adam and have a cup of coffee and <laughs> talk about the other stuff. L- yeah. l- let me bring it closer. Um, um, yeah. You're not gonna get, you're not gonna get away with this one easily. <laughs> yeah. Let me bring it closer. Business sure. confidence. Because yeah. that's one thing that's, that's, is actually quite low. And all the variables that we're talking about, um, hinges on business confidence. How do you get business confidence, both nationally and internationally? The president is going all around trying to woo in investors to come <coughs> in. But investors are not able to come through when, uh, issues around, um, you know, land, for, for an example, issues around spectrum, uh, issues around, uh, 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 you know, the commission and so on and so forth. So those are big ticket items which hinges on the, the environment. Um, but, you know, in, in which could, which is also meant to be conducive for investment to come through. How do we tackle that? How would you practically advise, uh, in, in resuscitating what is perceived to, to be a very docile, uh, business confidence, as it were? I mean, the numbers don't lie when, when, you, when you're growing at less than 2%. Sure. That on its own speaks volume. Yeah. I, I'd like maybe Adam can pitch in there because, uh, yeah. It, I, I'd, I'd like to hear what he's got to say, and then I'll tell you what I've got to say on that one. And what is the connection, in fact, to consciousness mm. as leadership mm. and confidence? Because confidence is the burning issue. Mm. Yeah. So, so um, to uh, jump in, as uh, as Eric says, the the confidence factor, I think, is uh, is probably the single most effective change mm. that we could make in our environment at this point and it's probably one of the cheapest things that we could sure. do at this For point sure. there's lots of suggestions we need to be spending more on infrastructure we need to be attracting foreign direct investment etc but um, at this point Nimrods, as you say um, business and consumer confidence are at all-time lows and uh, we really are at a point where that uh, creates a massive, a massive pressure point. Um, and I was chatting to somebody the other day about the, the cycle that we're in, and they were reflecting on, uh, on the fact that you know you must be mad at this point to be considering starting a business in the economic cycle that we're in, um, or in the political uh, uncertainty that we experience. Um, the policy uncertainty, uh, and they were just saying to me, you know, 2019 is not a year 
to be starting a business in, in South Africa. They don't feel the confidence level is there. And I, and I found myself reflecting back on, uh, uh, on uh, several other examples. And if we think back to uh, uh, 1987, 1988, and indeed 1992, um, I would suggest those were not also years that uh, there was high-flying levels of, of confidence. In fact, uh, the economy um, uh, in 1992 was crashing towards a, a pretty disastrous recession and a very high pressure point. And in 1987, 1988, there was massive uncertainty, the potential of civil war, um, the political transformation that was taking place, um, the release of Nelson Mandela, etc. We know the history. But um, I, I guess I draw significant encouragement from reflecting on the fact that 1987 was the year that Nando's was formed and uh, <laughs> yeah. founded. Um, 1988 was the year that Bidvest uh, was yeah, yeah, formed. Nice, nice. And then 1992 was the year that Discovery uh, was yeah. formed. Oh, wow. um, and three examples of now globally competitive organizations that are world leaders in their respective sectors. Uh, and uh, I, I would suggest that um, the best time to be starting business and to be investing is at times like this um, and to draw encouragement from the fact that uh, it's not 1987, 88 or 92. It's not as bad as that at, uh, at this stage and, uh, and we should really forge ahead. Absolutely. You want to weigh in on the very same issue? Yeah, uh, thanks. Uh, Adam, I'm pleased to hear your excitement uh, and confidence there. I mean, and, and that it's quite cheap to generate confidence. I'd love to tell you as a takeaway from this conversation to have some tips that we can pass on to Titombaweni and Cyril mm-hmm. Ramaphosa and Pravin Gordon uh, in terms of building confidence that will really have an impact. So, you know, I listened to Pravin Gordon today talking about uh, the ESCOM a uh, uh, turnaround strategy. Um, uh, tomorrow is Titumbawini's budget, uh, and he'll have a plan, no doubt, of how he's going to tackle fiscal uh, discipline and, and, and getting, you know, um, balancing the budget, uh, as it were. Uh, you know, Cyril is, is the captain, and, and these are his, this is his cabinet, and these are some of these key people. So I think the approach that that government is taking, you know, having listened, I spent the whole hour and a half or so listening to Pravin and the Q&A session. Government at the moment has got a very professional business-like approach to solving problems. They're appointing, you know, very astute technical people, consultants, and teams of people to consult with stakeholders, uh, including the unions and business and you know, sector experts in in the field, and and doing a lot of homework and coming out with a long term plan, a short, medium, and and long term plan, as any good business would do, um, to 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 run a, a good operation, um, and and somehow I walked away, you know, when 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 I kind of finally. Pravin left the studio and there were a whole lot of unanswered questions about generating the kind of confidence that we need that yes, ESCOM is going to turn around and this is going to happen we're going to sort out energy you know, there's not going to be huge amount of job losses and this can be done I think Tito, tomorrow in the budget I know I'm kind of touching on a few different topics at the same thing he'll have a plan I'm not sure if everybody's going to be convinced 
that this plan is going to generate the confidence that we're looking for. And Cyril, when Cyril talks, he's, I, I heard him yesterday, he was talking at a, 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 about an event commemorating um, a, a, a piece of history in the ANC, Oliver Tambo in Tanzania, and emphasizing unity in the country and a common cause. Again, somehow there's a, a, a lack of, of charisma, a lack of, of kind of inspiration. In government, and from our point of view, and I'd like to hear Adam's uh, uh, thoughts on this and yours. Uh, you know, the kind of uh, confidence that that I think w- w- people need, the business community is looking why it's so cheap actually to create, is is leaders saying we're on our way forward. We've got a, we can see not only the light at the end of the tunnel, but the light is here. We hashtag I'm staying. There's a movement, there's a positivity that your leadership can generate. And not just the technical detail that is required, but that we can do this and, and, and we've, and secondly, I would say, mobilizing all sectors of society with a positive, you know, campaign to get it right. That's, that's the way I'd like to see it go. Look, I mean, I agree with you, um, Eric, but my, my biggest bone of contention is the fact that we need, we are at the stage where we need to go beyond just rhetoric. Yes. We're at a stage where we need to really look at practical implementation. We are sure. not, we, we have so many great plans. Yes. For an example, let's look at NDP, you know, which is coming to an end in the next, um, give or take 10 years. Um, it, brilliant idea, brilliant plan, which brought together all the stakeholders, but implementation is almost zero. Hmm. So, so, so for me, we, you can't be talking, we can't have a conversation that seems to suggest that we start afresh. Hmm. You know, you know, business confidence, in my view, is a reflection on what has worked in a context of the plan that we have all agreed upon. Sure. So, so in a way of trying to create that consistency, say we have NDP, this are, this is where we are in relation to education. <coughs> because education being the, the foundation, you know, uh, of, of any viable economy, this is where we are. Let's look at um, um, safety and security. This where we are. Let's look at investment, and this where we are. Those are the kind of, in my mind, practical things that business community and and people in general said, you know, this is where we are as 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 as, as a country, and and clearly something has worked because government, in my view, from in terms of inspiring business and and ordinary folks, is inability to communicate successes. Mm. What what you're talking about? Oh, abs- absolutely, Nimrod. Um, uh, I mean, you're reflecting on the future for Vision 2030, which, as you say, has got about 10 years to go to. But we've had the NDP. It was first drafted and released uh, seven years ago. Uh, and um, it is it is really challenging to understand, well, what are the priorities mm-hmm. that uh, uh, we are focusing on and what progress has has been made? And um, I think there's a lot of merit in in, in uh, specifying that what gets measured gets managed, and there isn't a measurement system or an approach um, that I think that we are um, individually or collectively familiar with in terms of the, um, really helping us to establish priorities and um, to focus the scarce resources that we have and and to provide that progress measurement. A um, couple of weeks ago, I was at the another conference, and I don't just uh, go from conference to conference, but uh, I was asked to uh, present at the Harambee Youth Employment Accelerator 
um, conference, which is uh, each year brings together uh, a group of uh, business, government and civil leaders around um, what's called the Solutions Exchange. And uh, it's an annual event that is looking at the really practical steps that we have taken and are taking to achieve significant outcome. And and I, th- and I think that Harambee, out of so many organisations, uh, has the um, the uh, basis from which to uh, to make those kind of suggestions because they've created over a hundred thousand pathways into employment for young people in South Africa. But um, the point that I wanted to make is that uh, at that conference we released the IQ Business um, uh, Social Progress Index, which has been developed with the Washington-based think tank, uh, the Social Progress Imperative, which is chaired by Professor Michael Porter at Harvard University. Uh, And what we're able to do is to really look at the measurement criteria for what a lot of us talk about in terms of inclusive growth. When we talk about the need to generate growth again in our in our economy, it's not just about seeing GDP growth uh, move from below 1% to something of some significance. But it's about making sure that when we do have wind in our sails again, we've got some GDP uh, growth, that it is inclusive in nature. And so we released the Social Progress Index for South Africa and the first sub-national index, which looks at the nine provinces and compares the performance of those provinces. Uh, And there's a lot to be gained, I think, from... Um, the measurement framework and approach, and we are now in discussions with um, various provincial, municipal, and central government departments over how that can be used, as I suggest, to really direct uh, the scarce resources that we have to the greatest effect in uh, in terms of the coming years. Okay, G- great stuff. Um, you want to chip in there? Um, yeah, yeah. Oh, thank you. I-, I would say, Adam, you well know as IQ Business is a business group is a, is a consultancy and you do performance management for businesses and that's how businesses run the mm-hmm. operations and achieve results and I'm suggesting really that what we need is amongst others is is a performance management system within government which is of which in indicators and measurements are part mm-hmm. um, and we had that in, in, in the Mbeki era towards the end of the Mbeki era we had the program of action which was on the government website, there were priorities and action plans and feedback and measuring, measurement and, and, um, Stats SA was part of that and there was a national development index which by the way is going to be produced soon. I think every five years they produce a development report which looks at a whole lot of indices. So I, I, I think, you know, we had Busi, what's her surname again? Mabuso. The head of BLSA. And the conversation there, which I'd like to continue now to a degree, is how can business put its expertise to use within government to generate, you know, a positive momentum within government, not necessarily only on a, on a one-on-one isolated basis, but on a collective basis, all the business organizations to mobilize business expertise as a combined effort to help the National SA Inc. And maybe, you know, some of the initiatives that that have been talked about over the years, you might have been part of them, like the CEO initiative, one wants to know, 
you know, w- what happened to that? Can one mobilize the kind of talent and resources that we have within this country to get it done? And, and in a way, coming back to the confidence issue, when you get business coming in shoulder to the wheel, Within ESCOM, within SAA, within SABC, within the budget process, you start building confidence because business is at the table. I don't know what your thoughts on that uh, are, Ed. Mm. Well, very much. I mean, I think uh, you reference, Eric, the CEO initiative, yes. which um, – itself is uh, coming up to four years old. Um, um, I find it hard to believe uh, that in December we, I don't think we should celebrate it, but we should perhaps mark the event of the Nenegate saga because it was December 2015 when that all began to unfold in front of our very eyes. And the CEO initiative was formed early in 2016, um, uh, immediately following that. And I think that... There has been uh, progress with uh, uh, the Youth Employment Service, which I think now has around 25,000 young people in internships uh, countrywide. Um, I think with the SASME funds, which has taken very practical uh, steps um, in terms of getting uh, a fund of about 1.4 billion rand um, fully deployed and engaged in developing small, medium and micro enterprises. Uh, the infrastructure focus, I think, has still got uh, some way to go and dealing with issues like the Vol Triangle and, and areas that uh, I think the Vol Triangle now regarded as the rust bucket or the rust belt of South Africa. Um, and then the ratings downgrade, which was the fourth uh, initiative that uh, members of the CEO initiative have turned their attention to. And so far, over four years, We've managed to um, uh, prevent uh, what perhaps is becoming a fait accompli now, that uh, either on Friday Moody's will uh, will give us a stay of execution and put us on a negative watch, or according to some economists may just uh, push us over the edge and say you haven't done enough and and you're now junk status. So I think I think there has been progress on those those four imperatives but i think we need to do more okay. talking of doing more our, after the break we'll just reflect a little bit much more on those because because those suggest pockets of excellence of which um, what works obviously needs to be harnessed much more more uh, strategically to create the kind of impact that one let's take a break we'll come back in a second this is Beyond Governance with Dr. Nimrod Dembele on 101.9 High FM. Welcome back. It is now 18 minutes to 7 o'clock. It's, it's amazing how time fly when you are having fun. In studio, I've got Adam Craker, who's the CEO of um, uh, Business IQ, one of the largest independent management consulting in the country. We're having a conversation about, uh, tele- effectively about turnaround strategies, uh, with, you know, uh, the point of departure being some of the major initiatives that are driven or initiated by the private sector. Um, we've spoken about the Harambi, for example, the extent which the Harambi initiative has done uh, phenomenal work. I mean, there's a CEO slip out. There's a YEF program. There's SAB fund. These big initiatives. Um, my sense is there's, you know, obviously something is working, but the we, we need to almost like a a, a a bit of an injection to a point where we make a dent, you know, on unemployment. Because uh, when you look at, in as much as at individual level. There's obviously huge uh, 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 upliftment, but we need to get this upliftment to a larger scale. The question for me is, how do we make these programs um, wide enough? 
to encapsulate not only the urban but urban rural folks because mm. all the time these programs tend to benefit a, a, a minority in terms of, of where, where locations are. So, so could you just maybe dig deeper slightly mm. Mm. on those programs and how do we get government and mm. uh, to, to, to accept and accelerate this, this wonderful initiative mm. to a point where there's a big dent Mm. In, in, in unemployment. Well, Nimrod, I apologize up front for um, stating the obvious, I guess, mm. which is that um, in a context of zero growth in our economy, and I know we could argue among each other that it's actually 0.7 or 0.8. At IQ Business, we have a, a, a view that once it's 0. anything, just stop at the naught. It's, mm. uh, it actually is meaningless because... The threshold that we have to get to is 2% to stop shedding jobs. So as long as our GDP performance remains below 2%, then there will be a, um, a net outpouring of jobs, loss of jobs in our mm. economy. We have to get to 3% GDP growth to be able to absorb the product of our education system. And, of course, um, I've got a son at this point who's just started his matric, and we've got uh, about half a million others that are going through the same uh, the same process. Uh, and for us to be able to absorb uh, the product of our education system, we've got to be at 3%. And uh, that's the brutal truth. That's the reality. And I think to your question, what do we need government to do? Well, in the first instance, we've got to get government focused on every policy, every ideal, every decision that is being taken. If it doesn't support growth, then why is it being prioritized at this point? And it's it's really to bring focus back to the reality of not popularism or uh, idealism in terms of policy and uh, and programs that uh, that are being launched, but to focus on the necessity of stimulating economic growth because without that economic growth there will be no inclusive growth. We've really got to to get that uh, understood and and underway in terms of priorities uh, from uh, from government. I, I think also from a business perspective. Um, there's certain uh, realizations that uh, that I think business needs to take, and and I would frame those around three three headings. Firstly, that the profit motive that exists in business, there's nothing wrong with that profit motive, and it's essential for business to be able to grow and survive and to employ. But the profit motive needs to go beyond the focus simply on profit. Um, and we have a saying um, at IQ Business that. Uh, um, uh, a business with a clear purpose um, without performance is admirable but not sustainable. Um, and a business with performance without purpose is, in today's world, is meaningless. Mm. Uh, and so bringing together the um, uh, performance with purpose elements is absolutely Critical. So business needs to get that focus right. Uh, and secondly, uh, business needs to really drive harder on the social compact uh, that we need to have and the realisation that government is overwhelmed uh, by the um, issues that we're facing in society and needs to partner with business. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the third realisation is a very basic one, that we are operating at the present time in a system that's broken.
uh, and that system is a system of capitalism and uh, and a focus that really at this stage is creating wider and wider inequality gaps. Uh, and if we do not address the inequality issue, uh, then that is going to be the downfall of our economy and uh, and our businesses. So uh, those are really the the three imperatives I think that uh, that business needs to uh, uh, needs to focus on. But the context of uh, of job creation and getting really practical is that we've seen, as I said earlier, 25,000 internships that have been created for uh, young youngsters who were not uh, on the ladder, as it were, in terms of getting into the employment environment and becoming social uh, and and economic contributors. Um, we need more of uh, of those opportunities, and uh, in order to stimulate that, we come back full circle to the need for growth. Absolutely. I mean, I think um, uh, I agree with in, in, in a sense that without us uh, putting every single effort on economic growth, then, you know, we are wasting time because mm. in that way we are able to generate more revenue. When you generate your revenue, the appetite gets up and, and more and more people get uh, uh, employed. But it, it comes back to my, the question that I want to maybe through to both of you in terms of the current thinking at the policy level. Uh, to what extent do you think the the the, the narrative around po- macroeconomic policy is is uh, ideology driven as opposed to be driven by practical imperatives um, that needs to be focused on? You know, uh, I browsed through uh, Tito's economic strategy again before the show, and uh, uh, there's also the government's um, uh, economic panel uh, of of econ- economists, uh, experts from South Africa and internationally. And uh, my sense is that um, what's missing, there are a couple of things missing. You asked for what's missing, which can actually make a huge difference and scale up our growth and our employment. I, th- I think getting business involved instead of, let's say, the CEO initiative and BUSA and BLSA and all those organizations, doing a couple of limited initiatives which are admirable and yet need to have a broad impact. We just had record unemployment announced today, 29.1%, something like 6 or 7 million people without jobs. We need to make that kind of a debt. How do you do that? You've got to get growth even beyond 2%. You've got to get it you know, up to a level that businesses are used to driving. You've got clients, I'm sure, at, at IQ Business, that can generate 10%, 15%, 20% growth. The, the companies that are functional, that know how to run their businesses in, in, an, in, a, in an efficient, in a globally competitive way. Now, my suggestion, I'm saying the two elements that are missing, is businesses, number one, businesses' involvement, not only in the, poli- the policy level and the consultative level, but in the implementation mm. process, mm. in terms of getting them involved beyond even the board of ESCOM to make the ESCOM thing work. All the big users of electricity, the mining houses, the manufacturing businesses that run their businesses and they run them globally should be involved in, I even spoke to the chief restructuring officer about this possibility at, at ESCOM as a follow-up to our discussion with, uh, with Bussi. Um, in, t- in terms of the second main issue, I think the communication strategy needs to be looked at very carefully. Tomorrow you're going to hear Tito Mbaweni. He's going to do probably a technically very proficient job 
of presenting his budget. He'll balance the budget. My own prediction is he would have consulted extensively with Moody's to find out what it is that Moody's needs in order to give us a stay of execution in terms of not downgrading us. And part of that is presenting a long-term plan, a a short, medium, and long-term plan to contain the budget deficit to in due course over three years over the medium term cycle that they planned for to bring down the, the, the budget deficit in three years time and not to escalate uh, total debt beyond 60% of GDP in the, in the interim maybe they might be pushing it all. it's going to be more or less enough at the maximum the worst case scenario negative uh, outlook and that we've got a plan in place to turn around ESCOM. That in itself is not enough. That's a holding strategy. What you need from your president and your minister of finance and your minister of public enterprises together with your top captains of industry is a really exciting positive vision. South Africa is not only open for business, South Africa's Doing business. South Africa is a place to be. We've got an investment conference coming up in November. That needs to be shouted from the rooftops. We need a strategy as a country, and I think business can contribute. And again, I'm, I'm putting this back to, to, to all of us, to you as well, uh, Adam, and in, in your role, in your contacts with, uh, uh, with CEO initiative, that, that we actually take this conversation perhaps further to see how we can create a very proactive, positive role for business in working together directly with government in a, on an implementation plan and a performance management plan. Look, I agree with you uh, 100%, um, Eric, because what, one thing that we have observed um, in, in our previous conversation is that business has been waiting or expecting to be invited into the, the government space. Business is, is, is the biggest employer in the country. Business contributes um, substantial revenue for government. And, and, and for, for, for us to change the, the current landscape uh, through the boosters of this world, through BLSA, through uh, a number of business associations, uh, perhaps maybe explore that avenue wherein uh, business not only just um, support the, the design of policies, but mm. actually the implementation. Exactly. How business craft the performance measurement um, and, and of, of policies, how business and captains of industry participate in sector programs exactly. um, and almost like co-creating solutions mm. to together. So that that's something that is missing. Perhaps maybe I'm not sure what um, uh, 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 Adam's thought is around Maybe perhaps maybe focusing a, a strategy around next, how business, I know business is business is to, you know, obviously generate revenue, uh, for shareholders and stakeholders. And I know we're obviously thinking outside the box. Mm-hmm. So this is almost like a give, if you like, uh, an expectation outside the norm in terms of what business exists. You know, business, look, government, that's, that's the job, but the reality is that government is not doing what it's supposed to be doing. Mm. So it can't be business as, as, as usual. Mm. Even for business, what's your take on that, Adam? So, Nimrothi, I'm sure everybody's aware of the old saying, the business of business is business. 
Uh, and unfortunately, it's exactly that. Mm. It's old mm. uh, and it's out of date. And business needs to step forward and embrace uh, a change that it uh, is. I think uh, for the most part, we're seeing some leading lights in that regard, uh, leading organizations of scale in, uh, in South Africa stepping forward and recognizing the role that they need to play. Um, there is a framework that guides businesses towards that, which is a global movement of uh, B corporations. Mm-hmm. Um, and the B corporation or B corp movement is now some 3,000 for-profit enterprises in 60 countries around the world. In South Africa, there are nine uh, B corporations, and in sub-Saharan Africa, there are 35. Um, IQ Business is one of those. And in fact, we're the largest in sub-Saharan Africa, but we don't expect to remain the largest. We expect to see many other organizations stepping forward. And as a uh, as a, an example or a benchmark, um, we look to Australia, where there are currently 225 B corporations uh, only in Australia. So um, companies around the world like Unilever, like Patagonia, like Danone, uh, are embracing and recognizing that this movement is what's needed to guide companies towards the role that uh, needs to be needs to be played. Um, uh, and I think we need to get really practical, though, about the kinds of things that business can do uh, and are doing uh, for that uh, for that matter, and then break it down into what citizens can and are doing. Um, but it needs to be scaled. Um, so we've mentioned the youth employment service and the provision of internships, uh, the role that business is playing through initiatives like Partners for Possibility in terms of engaging business leaders with school principals in now about a thousand uh, state schools in South Africa in terms of recognizing the challenge that a school principal faces in under-resourced environments and learning how to be an enterprise manager and likewise the business leaders learning how to operate in in those kinds of environments is enormously valuable um, uh, as a two-way conversation. Um, the role that individuals play on initiatives like the National Mentorship Movement, which now has about a 1,000 mentors uh, and, in fact, came out of an original idea that came from uh, Autjet mm-hmm. uh, within the Jewish community, which was an amazing uh, initiative uh, and, uh, and has really, at this stage, reached a point of credibility that needs to scale in support of uh, small, medium and micro enterprises uh, and individual citizens, business leaders, knowledgeable individuals can step forward and offer themselves to become mentors of uh, of those uh, uh, individuals that are signed up and are looking for uh, for mentorship. So it's those kinds of examples, I think, that are very practical. They're very tumamina in terms of the uh, uh, the theme and uh, get involved, get aligned, and and uh, uh, and play a role. As we're wrapping up, I want you to challenge a um, fellow business executive who sits in corporations such as yours. Uh, what is it that, what sort of message would you want to tell them in terms of, you know, really being part of, of this pocket of excellence with a view to really make a dent in unemployment? What's your challenge to them? Well, I think the business executives, um, the opportunity they have is to orchestrate their organization and their employees. They often have thousands of people that are looking to them from a leadership perspective. So I think in the first instance, those executives need to lead by example 
and get involved uh, themselves. Secondly, they need to align their own resources within the organisation and and start to target those on initiatives that are going to partner with government. And thirdly, encourage their employees to um, to get active and to to engage in the kinds of initiatives that I've mentioned or others that that are really are having uh, having an impact. And if each business were to do that. Uh, we would be an unassailable force. Absolutely. As we're wrapping up, uh, Eric, yeah, I, I, I think the prospects are very exciting. Sector by sector, uh, you can see that in the health sector, uh, Discovery CEO Adrian Gore and Netcare CEO Richard Friedlander have already offered government their expertise and their resources to make it work, to do something that makes sense and that is in everyone's interest. It's not, no longer that, you know, the business of business is only business because it's going to be out of business if you don't get involved and make it work for everyone. So, again, I'll say to you, I'd like to see a follow-up to this conversation, Adam. I'm challenging you, inviting you, and let's see what we can do to take it forward on a bigger scale. Thanks, Eric. Thank you very much, colleagues, for um, your time. It has been absolutely wonderful. Um, and clearly, there, there are a lot of good, um, you know, products that that are there. We just need to have a, a bit of a more rigorous approach in, in making sure that they they work. Unfortunately, we're going to have to leave it there uh, for this week. It has been an absolute pleasure. Eric Stillerman, the, the CEO of uh, Net Growth and, and, and London Business School SA Online, and of course, uh, uh, you know Eric, um, Adam uh, Cracker, the, who's the CEO of uh, Business IQ. Uh, once again, thank you very much for your time. It has been an absolute pleasure. Thanks, thank you, so Nimrod. Until we meet again, have a good one.